Good morning. Sorry about that. I thought we had one more song. I didn't look at the, the order. I hope you're all doing well this morning. Thank you so much for being here. It's wonderful to see everybody, those who are here with us in person and those who are with us online. It's very good to see you all who uh, are visiting with us, and we appreciate all of our visitors. Uh, this morning, we're starting a new series, and uh, this will take us through the last few weeks of the year. The year's coming to a close real quick, isn't it? And uh, so we're going to look at this, but have you, uh, do you remember the old TV show, The Twilight Zone? You remember that? Did you watch that as a, as a kid, or you remember watching that? I remember watching that. I don't know if they were the reruns or not, but I know they were in black and white, so maybe they were. But I, I remember watching The Twilight Zone. I thought that was such a neat show, and they, they're still really interesting. And, and uh, the, the, the thing is, is that if you, you have to admit that every plot of every episode is basically the same. The person wakes up that morning, he's the same, but everything else is different, and then he's got to figure out what's going on. That's the same plot every time, but yet every episode was still good. <laughs> it was a good show, but what if, think about that, what if we woke up tomorrow morning and the church was gone? I mean, the church everywhere all over was gone. Would anybody notice? Do you think anybody, if they noticed, would they even care? What if tomorrow morning we woke up and the Bullard Church of Christ was gone? Would anybody in Bullard, would anybody in this area notice? And, and then would they even care if they noticed? And that's what I want us to think about this, in these next, this month in these next few weeks is, does the church really matter? I, I mean, church, why bother with church? Why should we care? Why should it matter in our lives? And so I want us to think about that because even in our own individual perspective that we have, that, that, that has to do with our attitude and our approach towards church, the way we see it, the way we think about it, the way we interact with and, and among the church. And so we have to ask ourselves, is church a burden for me? Is it, is it a bother? Do, or do I see it as, as something that I enjoy being a part of? Where, where am I on that scale? And so uh, do I just want to take the bare minimum approach or am I all in? So that's what we want to think about uh, in some different ways uh, over these next few weeks. So we're going to look at the idea t today of why bother with the church if it's easy? Why bother with the church if it's easy? Now we all like easy, don't we? We like an easy, relaxing weekend. We like to be able to get off of work and it be easy. We like that time of that downtime of relaxation. Easy is nice, isn't it? And there's nothing wrong with easy. There's nothing wrong with that easy going weekend or that easy going vacation or, or that trip or that, that time with friends out to dinner, whatever that, just that easy time. There's nothing wrong with that. But we like easy too, don't we? And sometimes so much where we want everything to be easy. And it's easy to slip into that mindset, isn't it? That I just want to do things easy. I mean, I got to get up and go to work tomorrow, and I got this and that and that. I don't want something else to not, not be uh, something else to be hard. I, I want some easy in my life. 
maybe dealing with health and whatever is going on. I want some easy in my life. We like that easy margin. But when it comes to church, we need to think about, should church be easy? Now, it shouldn't be painful. It shouldn't be hateful. It shouldn't be mean. It shouldn't be something that hurts you and all of that. I'm not saying that. It shouldn't be ugly. But, but should it be easy? Because that makes us think about, well, is being, should being a member of the church be something that's just easy? No, no effort, not really asking anything of me. And so to ask that is to also ask the same question in a different way is, should it be easy to be a Christian? Should it just be easy going, easy does it, no, no, no hard times, no difficulties, no challenge to be a Christian? That's what I want us to think about today. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19 in our text here on the screen. Matthew 19, 16 through 26, I'll read that for you. And behold, a man came up to him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 20, the young man said to him, all these I've kept, what do I still lack? I've done it. What do you mean? I've, I've done it all. I've kept all the commandments. Easy peasy, no problem. And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, uh, only with difficulty will a rich person enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Well, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So in verse 20, the young man is like, Hey, I got it. Been there, done that, no problem. This is easy. I I should be able to skate into heaven, right, Jesus? I mean, can you come up with something else that I need to be doing? Because obviously this is pretty easy for me. And he didn't like what Jesus was saying because what Jesus was saying wasn't easy, was it? And and it was about something that was hard for him and that had to do for him personally with his wealth, with his possessions. He said, you lack something. If you're not just going to skate into heaven, you've got to put forth some effort. All those other things might be easy for you, but you've got... You've got more to turn over to me. You're not there yet if you want to have eternal life. You need to, essentially, he's saying what he told his disciples, come and follow me. And they just left everything and followed Jesus. So in verse 22, when the young man heard Jesus uh, saying that he needed to sell all his possessions, he wasn't very happy because that was going to be hard. That's not what he wanted to hear. He didn't come to Jesus wanting to hear something hard. He wanted to come for a valid, hey, validation. See, I, I got this. I'm good, right? No. 
No, you're not. You've got some more things you need to do. You've, you've got to further your walk with God. Your walk with God isn't always going to be easy. And so for this young man in particular, his money had a hold of him. Now, maybe he was sincere in asking that question, uh, uh, but when it came to getting the answer, it wasn't what he wanted to hear. It was hard. And so uh, the point that Jesus makes to his disciples is that there's something this young man had to do that he didn't like. That took him out of his comfort zone. That took him beyond what he was willing to sacrifice. And then he goes on to teach his disciples in verse 24 about what was going on. He teaches them about this man's problem, about riches, and that was his particular deal. But guess what? We've all got something in our lives that that's the hard thing to turn over to Jesus. All this other, maybe wealth for you, maybe possessions for you is the easy thing. Money's not the hard thing for you. But maybe something else is, and that's not what you're wanting to turn over to Jesus. So he had enough money himself to be self-sufficient. And when you're self-sufficient and you've got possessions and wealth for this guy... Well, what did he need God for? Everything else was easy because he had money. He had possessions. He had wealth. Now, to be clear, this man had a belief that he could earn his way to heaven, and Jesus was also helping him see that's not the way this works. So that's not what we're saying is that you can do enough good things and check enough boxes and you, you yourself earn your way into heaven. That's not what Jesus is teaching, nor are we this morning. He's talking about come and follow me, what he told his disciples. He's talking about this guy, in some ways, they were easy for him to do, the commandments, following God, but his heart wasn't totally turned over to Jesus. He had some work to do. His heart still had some, some work, some progress to make to turn himself over all the way to Jesus. And he said to his disciples, come and follow me. And what did those early disciples do? The Bible says they just stood up and walked away. And follow Jesus. Now what we see with this young man that he went away, he wasn't ready yet to, to turn his whole life, his whole heart over to Christ. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. That's the hard part. Following Jesus means putting him first. It means loving the things that he loves. His priorities are our priorities. His will is our will. We want to live in a way that pleases him. We have to do like the disciples did and say that stuff, that earthly stuff, that's not what I live for. Who I live for, what I live for is Christ. He is the one who is the focus of my attention, the top of the priorities, and I get him right and everything else is right. See, we like the sound of that, don't we? We don't always like the reality of that in our lives. In verse 26, the disciples wondered then, who could be saved if this guy, I mean, look at this guy, if he can't be saved, then who can be? And this is where Jesus was teaching. It ain't about all the works that you do and getting everything exactly right. It's about your heart being turned towards Christ. He said, because you can't save yourself. With man, that's impossible. No matter how good you think you are, your goodness is, is, is like, like the Bible says, your, your righteousness is as filthy rags before God. And so, so it's about your heart being fully turned towards Jesus. And that's not always easy, is it? So oftentimes what we see promoted as Christianity in our culture is a watered-down version that makes it easy. 
So on this next slide, let's think about this easy version of Christianity that we, that we often hear, that we, see, that we see in books, that we see online in, you know, the TikTok little things and all the things. That, there's a lot of stuff out there that it's about easy Christianity. And we come together to hear motivational speeches about living our best life now and positive thinking. And, and is it okay to be motivated? Absolutely. Is it good to be positive? Absolutely. Do we want to have live a good life? Absolutely. But we come together to hear the word of God, to grow, to worship God, and then to live out his will. We don't come to hear the latest motivational thought that somebody can think. You can get that online. You can get that in a book. That doesn't save your souls. And so this easy version of Christianity has a low view of God. And a high view of man. In other words, we're really focused on ourselves. And what makes us feel good and what makes us happy and what makes us feel uh, uh, that, that we have purpose and meaning and identity and all of that. And so we hear things that make us feel uh, uh, promoted and build our self-esteem. And it's not about focusing on God and worshiping him and living for him. And that's a watered down, really false version of Christianity that is out there. But many, many Christians believe that's the essence of Christianity, that that's good, and that, and that will attract a crowd, no doubt. That will sell books. That will get, that will get uh, shares on social media. And, and so a lot of people think, well, all I need to do is just be nice because Grandpa God in the sky, he loves me and he just wants me to be happy. And when I'm happy, that makes him happy. And that's what he wants from me. And so I just need to be a nice person. And I'm good. And then all I need to do is just in the midst, mix of all of the things in my life, the things I like to do and my priorities, I just need to add Jesus in there. Just drop him in there and let him be in the mix, and it's okay. As long as Jesus is just in there around somewhere, then I'm good. And that's not what Jesus was saying to the rich young ruler. He's saying, look, leave everything and follow me. Turn your whole life over to following me. I've got to come first. In your life, following Christ, being a disciple of Christ, and that's not always easy. So for many, the church has become a social gathering of nominal or in name only Christians where we just hear those messages that make us feel good and they don't challenge us and they don't help us to worship God and grow in Christ and share our faith. They just pump us up and we leave feeling encouraged and warm and fuzzy. But when I believe in the, new, in the Jesus of the New Testament, I become a Christ follower, and that has consequences in my life. Being a Christian has consequences, has impact, makes a difference in your life. It should, if it's real. It's a consequential faith. In other words, you do this, and there are consequences. I met a guy last week who had served in Afghanistan for a long time. And uh, he was not a, he's not a Christian. He believes in God, not sure about Jesus. At the very least, Jesus was a good man, a prophet, not sure if he was a son of God. That was where this guy was at. While he was in Afghanistan, talking with the folks who were of the Muslim faith, they had some conversation, but he said, but he, said he learned you don't talk about that. Uh, uh, because of a lot of the differences and the climate. And he said, somebody who becomes a Christian there, It's a death sentence. Now, I'm not talking bad about the folks there. He talked about how wonderful many of the folks are. But but in some places, see, we have it. My point is we have it easy here. 
See, we can hit the easy button on our faith, and we can show up at, at see you at the pole, and nothing wrong with doing that. But then we, I mean, then that's the extent of our faith. Or if the church is doing something fun, I can be there. But when it comes to digging in and being a part of that local body and sharing my faith and living out my faith, oh, man, that, hmm, that makes me a little nervous. But see, there are places in other parts of the world where you become a Christian and you better run for your life because it ain't like it. There is no easy button. That, 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 that really struck me with that guy. Now, now let's, let's help us to think, why are we here? Why are we here? The purpose of the church is to glorify God. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Paul writes, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory, where? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, so, We are supposed to glorify God in the church and to God be the glory in Christ also through all generations forever and ever. So that how is how is God glorified in the church when he's glorified in me as an individual Christian? And when we live like the body of Christ in such a way that glorifies God. See, the church doesn't exist to provide us entertainment. Is fun bad? Absolutely not. But it exists to worship the Almighty God and equip us in His Word to live out His will and to share our faith. And if the church fails in that, then the church fails. It cannot be the Lord's church. Now, after uh, God calls His people also to live holy lives. And so... In 1 Peter, Peter said it like this, because, see, our whole, when we live holy lives, and certainly we're not perfect, and that's why we have forgiveness in Christ when you're in Christ, but God says, strive for perfection. We're supposed to aim to be holy in our lives. Peter said it like this in 1 Peter 1, 14-16, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be also holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, for you shall be holy, for I am holy. And it's Peter's quoting the Old Testament there. And then Peter goes on in chapter 2, verse 5, to say, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Talking about the church. To be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. And then in verse 9, what did Peter say? He went on to say, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. See, we have a mission from God to do his will and on this earth for the short time that we're alive. You can live to be a hundred. And Sister Hawes and those others who've lived Sister Lell and others who've lived beyond 100, they'll tell you they've got all kinds of wonderful, amazing stories and experiences, all kind of history. But at the same time, I bet, you'd tell, I bet they'd tell you, and it went by pretty fast. <laughs> no matter how long you live, how did it, the, by the time you got there, it seemed like you turn around and, and all of a sudden you're here, and you might be 100 years old. How did, you, how did your kids grow up so fast? How is it that some of you have great-grandchildren? 
And you think back, how did that happen? That's how fast life is. And we also have seen how fast we can lose life in other experiences. And so we have this mission from God that we've got to fulfill to shine His light in the world in the short time that we have. And the goal isn't always easy. Sometimes it's hard. Uh, You know, people actually want to be a part of something significant, don't they? People don't want to be a part of something that's meaningless. People want to be a part of something that really means something, that's of significance, that, that's going to that, that, take something from them, out of them, that's going to that's gonna pull something out of them, something that really makes a difference that matters. That's what people want, and the church has got to provide that. I mean, think about it. Kids go to school. People go to college. Uh, in our workplaces, in our, in our hobbies, and in, in serving on nonprofits, different things like that. We do all kinds of incredible stuff. And people go to great length to accomplish great things in the, in the secular world, education, extracurricular activities, playing an instrument. I, I can't play an instrument. And it amazes me that uh, people can come together with instruments, not, first of all know how to play their instrument, then write a song where instruments go together and they sound, and it sounds well, good, and then play a song, and then learn, think of bands and groups that have albums and albums of music. I don't know how they do that. It's as, it just blows my mind. But we accomplish all kinds of inventions and feats in our lives, and yet when we come to church, should we not expect anything out of anybody? Should it be so meaningless and nothing that it doesn't, require or ask anything of anybody. That's not the Lord's church, and that's not what he was communicating. And I'm not suggesting that's what we do here. I want us to think about this, this, this subject. And so that's why we've been encouraging every member, find a ministry to serve in. Find a way to serve and get involved. When you get in, dig in, as we talked about last week. And, and, and that's why uh, if, if you don't have a ministry to serve in and if there's not something you're sure you, you really are gifted to be able to do, talk to Matt. Talk to somebody about that. And maybe you've got an idea that, that we hadn't thought of that we can do. Find a way to get involved. And it doesn't mean it's got to be something every day, every week. Find a way to get involved. Our goal for every member is that they would be regular attenders and participants, regularly engaged in worship. Ideally, three times a week. I know some people can't drive when it gets dark, so I'm not not dealing with that. I'm just saying regular, actively engaged in the assembling of the saints to worship God, to edify one another. And, 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 and then also to be involved in ministry on a regular basis. And that includes sharing our faith outside of these walls. See, Christians are supposed to be uh, uh, active participants and not spectators. It's one thing to go to the game and sit in the stands and eat the hot dog and drink that big gulp and yell, go team, or why'd you do it that way, or can't you do nothing right? That's, that's one. Buy that ticket. It's another thing to be on the field doing it, isn't it? That's the hard part. The easy part is getting to the game and sitting in the stands. That's easy. I, I remember in one of Nidia's soccer teams, one of her coaches uh, Sometimes they would do this at the end of a game of practice, and they would get all the parents who were there to come out on the field, and we would scrimmage the, the soccer team, the kids. And I'm thinking, okay, I got this. All right. 
And all they had to do was, I'm telling you, within seconds, my legs felt like jelly. <laughs> I thought I was going, all I was worried about was trying not to fall That's, and, and, and break an ankle. That's what I was worried about. See, it's one thing to sit in the stands during a game and say, pass the ball, shoot. Why didn't you do that? Why didn't the ball go exactly where you should have put it? Why weren't you in your position where you, just do it, go get it, go team. That's one thing. You get out on the field, it's a whole nother ball game, isn't it? So it's easy being in the stands, and the church is not about being a participant. The church is about being on the field, playing, and sometimes that's hard. Sometimes there's falls and bumps and bruises and scrapes, and we're going to talk about some of that. One time Jesus was teaching in the synagogue about him being the bread of life in John chapter 6. And some of his disciples said, this is a hard saying. Go back and read that whole chapter there, and you'll see that. And they they say, this is a hard saying. Who who can accept this? Who can listen to it? And then in verse 66, we see that many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. They're like, I'm done. This this is hard. I'm hitting the easy button. I'm out. See ya. And, 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 And Jesus turned to the 12, and he said, do you want to go away as well? In verse 67. But look at what Peter said in verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter knew himself, didn't he, that sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you blow it, don't you? Sometimes it's easy in those times of fellowship and and, and worship with Jesus, but sometimes it's hard. When he denied Jesus, that's hard. He went through some of the hard times of his faith too. But Peter said, Where am I going to go? Because it's about following you and eternal life. Peter could have gone on and done a lot of other things, whatever he, you know, things he, fishing, whatever. But he he chose to stay with Jesus. Jesus knows that being a follower isn't always easy. All you got to do is read the Faith Hall of Fame in Hebrews 11. Being a follower of Jesus ain't easy, is it, always? But he calls us to follow him anyway. He calls us to put our trust in him instead of in like the rich young ruler and his possessions. To put our faith in him instead of what we can do with our hands and with our intelligence and with our money and with our skill and our education. When Jesus saw that people were buying and selling in the temple in uh, John chapter 2, they were not, essentially what they were doing was not taking worship seriously. They were buying and selling, and we've talked about that. And when Jesus saw that, he overturned the tables, he overturned the, the money, the buckets of coins and all that that the sellers had. And he, and he said, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And when he said that, the disciples in verse 17 remembered what the Bible says in Psalm 69, 9, because they had that scripture back then. And they remembered Psalm 69, 9, as we call it, Zeal for your house will consume me. And that's what they saw Jesus doing because he took the worship of God and what it was about so seriously he could not allow them to be doing what they were doing in the temple. Zeal for your house will consume me. It was Paul who said uh, that Jesus gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people, again, for his own possession, who are what? Zealous for good works. See, faith in Jesus isn't about making life 
easy with no expectations from God. It's about a life devoted to serving Him wholeheartedly. Look at the picture on this next slide. See, being a Christian, being in the church, isn't about the way nice hotels do it, where they want to make your stay as nice and easy and comfortable. And I mean, that's what you want. That's not the goal and the purpose of the Lord's church. It's about coming together to worship our God, to edify and to grow so that we can live out His will and, and do the work within these walls and outside of these walls to put our hands to the plow, as the Bible says, and serve Him. If we can help you this morning in any way,